Hello and welcome to another Deeper Wave Dialogue. My name is Richard Cox and I'm here again with Tim Creek. And this is one of the ones we're going to look at some of the content and questions that have come up on Tim's Facebook forum recently. And one of the pictures posted was a picture of Gene Wilder in his Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory role. And there was a quote on the picture saying, So, you're a Gnostic. Tell me how blaming evil on the Demiurge excuses the true God. Now, um, I don't know why Gene Wilder, I don't know if this is a clever reference to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory containing Gnostic mythic themes. Uh, I'm never bright enough to pick up on these things. Uh, but it does give us uh, a good excuse to talk about Tim's work on Gnosticism, on who and what the Demiurge is, and on how Tim's work around ethics and his views on ethics, the problem of evil, has uh, evolved, changed, or stayed the same over time, and now with the release of Soul Story. So, Tim, good morning. Good morning. So, I think um, we better start off with this figure, the Demiurge. Uh, it's a character you wrote quite a bit about in um, in Jesus and the Goddess, principally, uh, as well as other books. A character I, th I think you first find in Plato um, as a a sort of benign character, and then a more evil character of the Gnostics. So can you give us a, a mythic historic overview um, of, of who he is? And uh, if you can explain his role in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, then you can do that also. <laughs> Alas, I can't, although the, the chance of getting to comment on Willy Wonka is a delight that I never thought I'd ever have. And I think you know, the post is lovely. I mean, I, I find it really funny because it captures, as we'll explore, something beautiful about... Uh, Gnosticism, the contradiction in Gnosticism, really, uh, and it, and attributing it to to Willy Wonka is is somehow very amusing. So the the, the demiurge, it, it, weird name, uh, it, you find it in the Greeks, you find it in Plato, and it's the idea of the craftsman who cra or the godhead that not the godhead but the god who crafts the universe, the creator. Um, and with the Gnostics, you get the same thing. But here, it's very clearly a negative figure. And there's various reasons why they make that transformation. So what the Gnostics are wrestling with is, like all of us, their past. We all have our individual and cultural past, which we have to make sense of. And for them, they had their whole Jewish heritage and their, as we explored, their pagan heritage. They had both going on. How can they bring together this deep philosophical understanding that was coming from Neoplatonism and the, the work that had come from, from the Greeks with their own tradition. And in their own tradition, they have this figure of a creator god, Yahweh. And he's a jealous god. He's not a particularly nice figure. Um, and so they, way, the way they dealt with that was they went, well, there's a benign god, which is the real god, which is behind everything. And then there's this kind of false god or this lesser figure who is flawed and who creates this imperfect world and in, in, in what they did in one act there was they took Yahweh and explained why he wasn't a very nice figure and why what was wrong with the their the Jewish heritage they got because they pointed to the, his flaws and that was this deeper God behind and they also dealt with the problem of evil which I'm sure we can go into in more detail mm -hmm. which is essentially you know why the hell if this is created by a good God, is there so much terrible suffering in the world? 
so the demiurge, the lesser god, comes from the the one true god, um, doesn't he? In an act of uh, ignorance, is it? Yes, I mean, what you get, what you get with, um, and we discussed this, I think, in our previous dialogue, you, that spirituality, ancient spirituality, and still most today, has a very negative view of the world in that we are fallen. We've fallen into a state of delusion or ignorance, and we need to return to a state of enlightenment or spirituality. And so the, whereas what I've been interested in and what I think is the modern way, which is an evolutionary way, which sees everything is evolving towards the good, becoming greater, um, their view is the opposite, that things have fallen from the good into the lesser. So it's come from the pleroma, the fullness, into the kenoma, the deficiency. And part of that, so, so they don't just see it as a very, you have a very complicated system of the way in which reality is unfolded philosophically in, in getting in its journey down into materiality. And then right at the end of that, you get this incredible myth, which is too big to go into in detail, but usually featured around Akamath or Sophia, a goddess figure who has many names, who is a kind of a mother figure. You've, you've ended up with this, this female deity who then gives birth to an abortion, obviously, often it's called, which is she, she has this child who is going to be the demiurge. And the demiurge is a kind of expression of her own ignorance, her, her fallen state. And he creates a fallen world in which we are lost. Okay, so that's on a, on a cosmic level. I believe you also wrote in Jesus and the Goddess how on a personal level, the demiurge is equatable with the ego. So we have this deep, true consciousness behind the one God, and then the lesser God, the ego, um, which creates our lives in some way. Yes. I mean, what I was trying to do with the, the book Jesus and the, and the Goddess was to try and go, well, how can we understand what this mythology is pointing to? How can we understand its mythic allegorical content? Because I think a lot of it was consciously created as allegory, and even the stuff that wasn't consciously created, it can't help but contain it because it's come from the psyche, the soul. Um, and my sense was, ah, here's, here's a, an analogy for what we're all experiencing, is that there's this deeper presence of this uh, deep oneness, this goodness, uh, and then there's this other part of me, which is Tim, in, and which is in this ambiguous state in the world. Now, a, for a lot of the ancient spirituality, the ego is seen in a very, very negative light, not all. And what I did was try and pull out the places where we don't have to see it in a negative light, because I believe that the Gnosticism we need to take us forward has a positive view of mm -hmm. the nature of the ego. And I was quite pleased with myself. I, 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 before this conversation, I, I hear, look, I've got it out with me now. I got the book together and, and looked through it. I haven't read it for ages, you know, as you don't. And I thought, oh, this is pretty good, actually. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a, there's a good mythic, for those who like mythology and, and philosophy, there's some really good mythic content in here. And I, and I had actually done a precursor to the, to the, to the Willy Wonka quote, where I actually said in, in the book, look, it's kind of crazy because if God is, if, you know, the great one good God is creating everything, everything's coming from them in this process of the fall, then how does that excuse them for the evil of the world? Because the, this is, the, there's this fallen being in between, because ultimately the responsibility must go all the way back. And, and so I, I highlighted that very issue. And what the Gnostics, I think, were onto that as well, some of them, what they had was the idea that 
it was kind of a, it was a fall and it was, but also it was something benign going on too. And that the real God put sparks of spirit in all of the human beings, which the Demiurge creates because through that they were going to become conscious and realize themselves. So it was kind of a, a, a play, an outpouring. And, and, and the, the, the role of the ego and the separate self could seem negative, seem like it trapped you in separateness. But actually, even that had a benign purpose, which was to individuate and make you more conscious and allow the soul to... Okay. Is the Demiurge um, equatable with the, another concept you wrote about in the book, the Archons, the idea of like rulers of this world who are in spirit and might act in a, a negative way to uh, trap um, consciousness in, in the body? Are they equatable characters or something? Well, first of all, the thing to get, you know, I've got to be clear about this is that there are myriad Gnostic systems hmm. with lots of different approaches and the Archons are particularly complicated. So you have this, the Aeons, which are like the principal things in this, um, devolution in from spirit into matter. And then that gives rise to the, to the Demiurge and to these figures as Archons, which are like negative influences which are you know the, the, become the devil and all of that which are which are um holding us into captivity and and you do get a strand of gnosticism a significant strand which is i guess you might say just paranoid i mean it's very and you can see it still going on today there's a positive gnosis which discovers that awakening to oneness and love. And then there's a kind of negative gnosis which concentrates on what's pushing me down here. Oh, it's them. It's something outside of me that's, that's making that, that's, it. That's quite fascinates me how um, gnosis and Gnostic philosophy continues in all its forms, um, maybe not called that throughout the ages right up to the present day, yeah. um, in both literature and in ways to directly interpret reality in a, a literal way. So in literature, you have films like The Matrix, yep. which very Gnostic and the idea of archons, powers, the agents keeping people down. Yep. And then in a more literal way, you have someone like David Icke, who's writing yep. um, stuff that people have differing views on, on now. But I, I wonder if in like a thousand years' time, people might look back and say, oh, this was a, a, a re-emergence of Gnostic mythology taken literally in the in the late 20th early 21st century great a great comment and great great to bring that up richard yes so just, just so people don't know david ike writes um conspiracy theory but they go sort of to an otherworldly place where uh, there are these archontic dark um spiritual beings acting through the powers in the world to suppress everyone and the, the role of human life is to find a kind of enlightenment um and a freedom from this spiritually yeah, and then manifesting as lizard people, people who yes. transmute into 13 yes. lizards, including many, many people you would know, celebrities and royalty. Yes, so it has a kind of, yeah, an aspect which is kind of hard to believe to it, of course. Yeah, yeah. So what you've got, I think, there is with the Matrix, a kind of Gnostic fantasy of, of real genius, actually, and then with David, a Gnostic fantasy of real paranoia. And... um but you're right. They're both, they're both playing out this same idea. And then, and as much as I love the matrix and I thought it's great, the first one, especially a really great movie, you do see the negative gnosis. Mm. And then because what happens to the figure of Neo who wakes up, what he wakes up to is the reality, which is worse than you could possibly have imagined. And what he was asleep into was it's okay. 
and that is a very negative form of the negative notice. So, you know, because my experience is that when you wake up, you realise it's much better than you thought, not much worse than mm. you, mm. and that's quite a big difference. Whereas the negative notice is like you really see that there's these malevolent things controlling everything and 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 having a, a keeping us down, keeping us in prison, keeping us prisoners. So, I would see it all very differently now. <laughs> right. To um to come back to the ethics then, um another thing I remember you writing in Jesus and the Goddess was um in, in attempting to explain um the problem of evil, uh, the Gnostics probably give an analogy of like, well, to um to a child, uh, the parents can appear to be alternating between good and bad, because sometimes you're allowed to do things and given sweets and whatever else, and sometimes they discipline you and you're sent to your room. But from the parents' perspective, they're always acting in the good. Yeah. Um, you know, as a as an analogy. Um to to God then, who from our human experience, good things and bad things happen, but from God's perspective, so to speak, everything is working towards spiritual awakening. And this is a way of explaining um why bad things happen, why evil things happen, because it's all it's all awakening consciousness. Um, is that an accurate summation of what you wrote, and is that equatable to or different? Okay, so so first of all, that's that was that was my analogy. I don't want to put that in the words of, of the magazine. Right. They didn't actually say that, but it was my analogy to try and draw out what I think was what was this strand of the positive gnosis, really, which was going okay behind it all. This is being of love, the real the real God that Jesus reveals, and and replaces the false God, who's the eye for an eye God of law and as St. Paul says that you know the figure of Jesus comes to replace the law which is rigid and, and punitive with love and that's the that's the great revelation of the Gnosis and and so you kind of and there is a there's a so what they're expressing what I'm expressing there in, in my interpretation is a major strand which goes through most spiritual thought which I feel now I want to not question well question or see in a different way because uh, it doesn't really work, I don't think. But it it it, it, it an intuition I think a lot of people have, where you wake up, and I and you can get it with the paralogical thinking can help. Where you look at it one way, and it's like the world really is a difficult place with awful things happening, and then you come to another place, and you go, and even with that, it's all perfect, and there's something benign happening, and I think these are all attempts to kind of explain how that can be true. Now, what's happened for me is I've gone, the ways of explaining it, I mean, I can, the paralogical way still works for me, going, look, it's a, it's a paradox, you, they both exist together, and I do feel that's important. I never, you know, I never ever go, it's just all perfect, without first going, I know it's also not, because that just feels like I have to honour that for myself and for people who are suffering. But what I've done with my new philosophy of, of really focusing on the evolutionary process of emergence I think has enabled me to understand that much deeper and explain that in a much more elegant way, which is to go the, the, the big mistake for all, I think all forms, apart from a few modern figures, is you, you, you want to put this being of love, this, being, this true God at the beginning of time. And if you put that figure at the beginning of time, that figure is, a, is, is, is responsible for the malevolent nature of the universe. And you have to come up with some, some fudge to go, okay, well, you know, it's all for the best. And then you kind of, but then it's very hard when you go, yes, that little children get AIDS and that, you know, 
whole species can be wiped out and, and all for the, you know, the hurricane has just flattened an island and ruined everyone's lives. And that's for the best, if we knew the greater wisdom. And to be honest mm. with you, that just feels like nonsense to me. Uh, I can't go there. But so the big transition for me it, in that respect with emergent spirituality was going, look, this, this experience of oneness and the being of love, God is not at the beginning, it's at the end, or it's where, it's where the universe is going. We're evolving towards that. So it's not there allowing the evolutionary process, the 120 million years of dinosaurs, five major extinctions. It's like, it's not, it's not the crazy. It's actually that the whole universe is birthing God. It is God being born and, and coming into existence. And what I relate to when I feel deep, deep awake, when I have right now, it's like there is a being of love holding us. But that being of love wasn't at the beginning. It's not a crazy being responsible for evil. It's actually what this process of dialectics of duality is actually resolving into. And that's a newer way of approaching the Gnostic mm. problem. And that's why what I'm doing is kind of neo-Gnosticism, a post-evolutionary Gnosticism. Okay. Um, so one of the things that was reflected on the forum was people saying, oh, I quite liked, I was quite happy with the ethical system as it was presented in Gnosticism and yeah. Jesus and the Goddess. And um, just to summarize that um, and, and to try and get where the, the problem you've come to, to see it is, um, I think I'm actually thinking of your book in the light of death because that, that was a book yep. that brought up, okay, um, bad things happen in life. You grow old, you get sick, you die. Okay. And how can that be okay in the presence of a, a God of love? Why, why is this bad stuff happening? And death brings you profoundly close to that question. And um, in the last discussion we had, we talked about reality. Is it a dream? Is it similar to a dream? So to look at the perennial um, philosophy on this, as I would understand it, um, we could say, okay, if I'm dreaming at night, um, all sorts of terrible things uh, can happen, all sorts of random things can happen, and that can seem to be awful from the perspective of my character in the dream. But on another level, it's okay, because I'm not the character in the dream. I'm the, the conscious awareness witnessing the dream. And I believe that's the the view you put forward um, about 10, 15 years ago in Jesus and the Goddess and in, in the light of death. Um, and that's what you're now, you, you don't, you've gone on a journey where you don't find that quite as satisfactory. Look, for, 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 for us to understand it, that still works. It's like, an, and, and, and it is true. I mean, it is that, you know, if you understand that, that you are soul, which isn't made of matter and that you will survive the, the life and death of the body and experience the soul realm, which you're touching already. And that you'll go on to experience that after the death of the body and, and you're, you, that you're something which can't be extinguished. Then even the terrible things that are happening to the little children I mentioned before are redeemable because it will work its way out. And it is like a, a bad dream, awful as that is. So that is still, there's still some deep truth in that which is good to hang on to and know. The problem with it philosophically, and what I'm looking for is, is a whole new worldview, which can encompass our whole human experience, is it's incredibly anthro, uh, anthropocentric. It works if you're a human being, but it doesn't work if you want to talk about the universe before there were human beings. It doesn't talk about the universe for 10 billion years before there was any life. 
It doesn't talk about the whole, you know, the human beings a tiny, tiny, tiny bit at the end. So then you've got, well, what's all that about? And, and so then using those analogies, which work great for us, and an awful lot of spirituality is like that. It works brilliantly if you just contain it to your human experience. Mm-hmm. If you want to enlarge it out to the experience of the whole cosmos, then philosophically it begins to fray at the edges. So that's why I've gone, look, let's take that intuition and, and couch it in a different way. And we can keep that, but we can, we can add to it something which allows us to understand this unfolding. So for you and I, you could say simply like, well, if you're going to have pleasure, there's going to be pain and dualities exist together. And that's, that's helpful because it's true. And you can see that that's true. But if you want to go back and see how that's evolved, then I think we, what you see is, is how that's come into being. So, so can I just roll on this for a second? Yeah. It feels like what I'm, what I'm saying now is look, if you take the evolutionary scope, you can still see the potentiality, which is non-dual coming into duality, a duality of subject and object. And part of that was the duality of good and bad, although obviously before there's consciousness, no one's making that judgment. And the big duality you're getting is in time that you've got past and possible. You've got the move, the accumulation of time. And with the accumulation of time, the emergence of ever deeper levels of realization through matter to life to soul. And what happens with that, I think, is you're constantly living with the past. And the past is a foundation from which the new will emerge, but it's also a limit. You know, we could, the the things that you and I could say or do in this moment are infinite. I mean, there's the potential, but they will have to start from now. We can't be anywhere else or be anyone else. We must, so that we're limited now. You get that whole thing in Pythagoreanism, the limitless, which means the potentiality, and then the limited, which is form in time. And that limitedness manifests as what can become evil that, or, or bad in its negative sense. It's good in its foundational sense and negative, so that I have to live with the causality of life. We have to live with the biology of life. And the hurricanes just happen, a natural evil, as it would be called. Not because some benign God allowed it, but just because the way the natural world evolved, the physicality of it, means that those phenomena happen and we have to live with it. We've come we've evolved as human beings. Therefore we're we've got all the advantages of that evolution, but we've got suffering. Why? Because it's good for species if they suffer, because it keeps them alive. But if bad really bad for individuals, and now we've become individuated, we want to get rid of it, which is why we're working really hard in medicine and so forth to to limit it, why we don't just allow so many mothers and children to die in childbirth. Um, but nature was fine with that. Let the weak ones die because they was interested in the survival of the species. So all of that's an evil to us because it's the past. And then in society, you see the same thing. Things which seemed like they were cutting edge at one period in history and were you know, really great, uh, we look back on them and think they're horrendous, and rightfully so. So when we see... Uh, well, well, the example I use in Soul Story, which I think is quite a good one, is to take someone like Adolf Hitler. You take Adolf Hitler and you imagine him list- existing 2,000 years ago, he would have probably been Adolf the Great, mm-hmm. like Charlemagne the Great or, or, or Alexander the Great, a conqueror and, and a heroic figure. But because it was in the 21st, 20th century, you know, he went out and, you know, when Richard I went out and slaughtered thousands and thousands of thousands of people, just butchered them one after the other all day, we, we look back and go, my God. Um, and yet still, we, he's like a figure in history. 
when Hitler does it now, he does it as evil, and rightfully so. So what I feel like we're dealing with is the negative aspect of the past, which we're always trying to transcend. Why? Because we're being pulled forward by the potentiality of good, which allows us to, you know, we have to bring that greater goodness into the world. That's our role. Do you see this view as slotting inside one of the, the Gnostic frameworks? So um, at, like an, at one end of the spectrum, say, you could take the view that all reality is directly reflecting consciousness all the time, whether it's a hurricane or uh, something very good happening, winning a prize or something, or um, dying in childbirth, or everything is a direct reflection of consciousness. Or uh, at another point on the spectrum, you could say, okay, some of reality is reflecting consciousness and the mind is manifesting in the world, uh, but the world also plays by its own rules. Of, uh, would that be narrativity in the way you're describing yes, it? That's I, beyond... I, I'm saying the latter. I'd say, look, the whole cosmos is a reflection of realization. You know, so it's not, you know, it's not, it's a reflection of what's been realized. And it's what we are. We are the cosmos, all of us. That's, there is nothing else that we can be. And that, Therefore, all of it is what we are. But it's but the reflectivity that happens between our experience of soul, or that storyness, I think is not is not that that controls everything, which is very popular idea. Say in the store in the secret and those ideas mm. that you know somehow you know you're only here because you're playing a role in my existence. It doesn't. It, philosophically, it's very naive and it doesn't hold up to any sort of scrutiny. But what does hold up to scrutiny, I believe is to say that all these levels of, re of, of evolution and emergence are functioning together. So there is a brute level of materiality which will cause the storm. It just will. And then there's a biological level where that's going to have a biological effect and survival and blah, blah. And that's, we have to live with that. And then there's the level of soul where we, we, we can respond to that. We have humanity. We can disregard it or we can respond with compassion or so that we're in, so all of those levels are happening together. And then there's another level in the soul, what I call the narrativity, which is affecting, which is going downwards. So it's not just the effects going upwards. The effect of narrativity, of the storiness of soul, is affecting how things happen. So there may be people for whom they're going, oh, my God, that 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 hurricane has just played this huge role in my soldier. Mm -hmm. Many people, but we don't, but not everyone. For some people, it will just be a disaster, and not because they're stupid or missing it, but because that's what it is for them. And we should reach out with, with compassion and humanity. And then there's other people for whom it seems to form part of their story. And that's what I mean by the narrativity. So somehow it feels like with that model, I, I'm not claiming to be able to do this, but with that model, there's the potential for weaving together all of the different levels of our experience, allowing evil to be evil, to be something bad, but also to see where it's coming from and how we deal with it. So is that Gnosticism, you asked? I don't really know. Is this a neo-Gnostic philosophy? I guess, but it's quite a, a new one because it's evolutionary. That's the big change. Mm. It's not right. falling from God into the kenoma. It's actually going, look, possibility, the pleroma, the possibility of things is where it's all come from. But in the process of realizing, it's realizing deeper and deeper things and it's reaching towards a being of love, which, which, which is coming into being. And, and therefore we are that coming into itself. So it's, it's a very positive form of the Gnosis. And mm. that's because my experience of awakening throughout the whole of my life has always been when I awaken deeply, I become more positive and more, and there's a deep goodness to it, which, which fills me with faith, actually. In, but not faith in a creed, 
but faith in in the goodness, the benign nature of existence. Not because there isn't the, the unbenign nature, but because it's going towards the good. Okay, Tim, my brain has a, a narrativity that kicks in and I can only contemplate these deep questions for so long and it just, it, it runs out and I've, um, I think we've covered quite a lot there yeah, for, for thought, of deep questions. Um, so this video uh, will be on Tim's Facebook forum page and um, please people jump in with any questions or comments and we can always record something in the future going into any points that arise more deeply and uh, if anyone wants to write something on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a Gnostic myth and explain that to us we'd be very grateful to receive it yeah okay thanks very much Tim see you soon thank you Richard